right, the sermons the rest of the summer are all about some of the, as you see it up there, the stranger things in the Bible. Uh, we're not going to be streaming anything on Netflix, uh, and to be honest, I'm not endorsing the show. Uh, stranger, th- I don't even know if, uh, if anybody even cares about that show anymore, but uh, it was uh, kind of cool when it, when it first came out, the whole 80s thing, and, and uh, you know, you had the Walkman and all the, uh, anyway, and you, you went to, I don't know, all this paranormal, supernatural, upside down kind of stuff, right? Uh, but but we're not necessarily going there. Instead, we are going to be uh, scouring the pages of Scripture in order to find some of the weirder things in the Bible. Uh, and, and maybe you'll hear some new stories. Uh, maybe uh, maybe you'll, you'll uh, learn some things that you didn't know. Uh, and maybe we'll shed some light on some of those weirder things that, uh, that, that you're like, oh, okay, well, I see that, or I've always seen that, but I've kind of wondered what in the world that's all about. Uh, we're going to learn a lot from the stranger things in the Bible. And, and today's story involves Jesus' encounter with a guy, a bunch of demons, and a herd of pigs. Uh, it's actually found in scripture on your device or, uh, or in a book. Sometimes they put scripture in a book too. Bible, actually, you can open it. That's the analog version. So if you have analog or digital, I'd love for you to turn to Mark chapter 5 and we'll be, uh, uh, kind of dissecting that story. Um, but this, uh, this, this, rendition I think sticks real close to the scriptural portrayal and uh, I'll just warn you uh, right now I'm glad the kids have left because it gets a little disturbing here we go chapter 5 they went across the lake to the region of the Gerizines when Jesus got out of the boat a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore not even with a chain For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away, 
and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. All right, told you it was a little disturbing. One of the stranger things in the Bible, it says in Mark 5 that that man was possessed by a legion of demons. Now, we don't necessarily use that uh, term today. Uh, Back then in the Roman army, a legion was a regiment of 6,000 soldiers. So... 6,000, lots of, that's a lot of demons. We need to know that right up front. That's a lot of demons. The first thing we have to recognize here as we, as we kind of unpack this story is that what we'd call the supernatural today was acknowledged as pretty natural in Jesus' day. Uh, all through the Gospels, we see accounts of Jesus casting out demons. Uh, he, he sent his disciples to minister at one point, and he, he gave them authority uh, to, uh, to, to, to do miracles and things, but one thing specifically he, he gave them was the authority over evil spirits. Uh, the, the stories in the book of Acts, as, it, as the, the new church, uh, the early church is formed, the apostles uh, Part of their regular, uh, as, as, as well as preaching the gospel, part of their regular ministry was, uh, was uh, uh, casting out evil spirit over and over again. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul kind of spells it out for us, specifically addresses this topic. Ephesians 6.12, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Now, in our modern, sophisticated society today, we tend to relegate things like demons to Halloween horror movies, right? We need to recognize, though, that, uh, that, that, that things happening on the spiritual level in what Paul called the heavenly realms, the things happening there are, are actually, according to Scripture, more important and more real than things that we can see and touch. Com- complete flip of, uh, of how we typically live, uh, but those are the things that have eternal significance. Uh, as I say that, though, I'm, I'm also distinctly aware that we don't want to become one of those people that are all so obsessed with these, uh, these things that, that, uh, that, that, that we go overboard. I, I, I love what C.S. Lewis wrote in his preface to, uh, uh, to his book, The Screwtape Letters. Uh, love that little book, and... Um, uh, in that preface, he writes, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, the devils, are equally pleased by both errors. So he kind of takes the middle road, right? Uh, but but as, we, as we come to this strange story in the book of Mark, we have to acknowledge that these things are real. Uh, the devil is active in our world seeking to draw you away from following Jesus. He's described as a roaring lion in Scripture, prowling around looking to devour us. Uh, he, uh, elsewhere in Scripture, it says he masquerades as an angel of light, trying to fool us into following him. Uh, this is stuff in the heavenly realms, and it's, it's real. But then in, in the same breath, we also have to recognize uh, from this crazy story that, that we don't have to be afraid, we don't have to shake in our boots knowing that, oh, there's evil and, and the devil is real. We have to recognize that the evil side of the supernatural world is no match for Jesus. 
That's the context here. We have to realize uh, demons in this story bowed before Jesus. Uh, they, they begged him because they recognized his authority. They, they did what he told them to do uh, as they left the man and, and went into the pig. Uh, many people have this notion that the good and evil are, are, are just fighting in this world, right? And sometimes good wins out and sometimes the evil wins out and, and they're, uh, they're, they're, they're struggling for power. But uh, I don't know, uh, virtually every superhero movie ever made starts out with the, with the evil villain uh, usually winning in some way. And then the, uh, the, 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 the hero or the heroes uh, come back and they barely eke out a win in the end. And it's this big struggle and it's this thing. That is really not the picture that we see here that we just saw up there uh, in, in Mark chapter 5. I mean, there's, there's no struggle there. Uh, God is the authority. Uh, evil doesn't stand a chance. We can be confident as we follow Jesus that we can resist the, uh, the, the temptations of the evil one because evil is no match for Jesus. I'm going to say that again and you're going to say amen. Evil is no match for Jesus. And I, some of you even meant it. That's good. All right. Good deal. Uh, we have to, uh, we have to realize that. We have to start at that point. We have to realize that as we're unpacking this story, that, that, uh, that we could get all freaked out by it or we could say, oh, that was something that happened back in Jesus' day or, or, uh, okay, I'm a little, we'll just kind of skip over these, uh, these demon stories and, uh, but we have to recognize that evil is real, but it's no match for Jesus. So with that as our starting point, uh, let's continue to unpack this story. Uh, we, we have to acknowledge that this guy, uh, we saw him up there, you see it in Mark chapter 5, this guy's a hot mess, okay? I don't think they used that term back then, I'm not sure what the Hebrew term for hot mess was, but, uh, uh, but, but, but that's what, we don't know what led him to this place of being possessed by, by so many demons, uh, but there was, there's a backstory there somewhere, right? If, if Marvel was grabbing a hold of this, we'd not only have this as the movie, but then the, we'd have a prequel that would tell the whole backstory of how they got there, right? Uh, he, he probably wasn't a great guy to begin with. We, we just need to, need to recognize that. The region where he lived, they, they call it in scripture the Decapolis, which just means 10 cities or, or 10 towns. And it was this, this region on the east side of the Sea of Galilee that's, uh, that was inhabited primarily by, uh, by Greeks, by descendants of uh, Alexander the Great. And when he conquered that area and, and, uh, and, and uh, took over there, uh, these, are, these are not good Jewish, Hebrew, uh, God-fearing people. These are uh, Greeks, what the Jews would call uh, pagans. Uh, they're, they're humanistic. They're, they're, uh, they're following their own uh, course. They're not following God and, uh, and, and secular uh, society. And, and the Jews usually even avoided going there. So it was kind of a big deal that Jesus even went there in the first place. So, so this guy is from there but had gotten out of control. Probably didn't happen all at once. Uh, it probably wasn't just a, a switch went off and the, and the next day he was, he was wild and crazy. But I would guess that, that, that over time he became more and more abusive and violent and, and, and wreaking havoc on, havoc on his, his family, his community. Uh, uh, 
This community, we need to recognize this community tried several things to solve the man's issues. They, they, uh, they, they used their resources in order to try to, uh, uh, to, to, to not only help themselves, to an extent help this man from, from harming himself and, and harming them. So uh, they, they banned him from town, right? Uh, they, uh, they, they made him live in the cemetery, out in the tombs, Scripture says. They, they tried chaining him up. Of course, it didn't work. Uh, the, uh, the, the whole demon thing, they're a little bit more, uh, uh, a little bit stronger than the chains that they, they uh, put on him. But I can just imagine them, I don't know, uh, maybe it's just my imagination uh, taking, uh, taking over, but I can just imagine them laying in bed at night in the town and hearing this guy screaming out in the, out in the, uh, uh, the, the tombs in the cemetery out, outside of town and uh, hoping, wondering if the chains are going to hold this time. And of course, we know that they didn't. Uh, scripture says that he, he even broke those. He was, um, he was naked and isolated, ostracized, and then of course terrorized by all those demons. So he's an unclean man living in an unclean region, having been banned to an unclean cemetery, possessed by unclean spirits who ultimately were cast into unclean animals. Like I said, he's a hot mess, okay? We're, we could just summarize all that. I, actually, I think a better way to describe it, one word would probably, uh, probably fit here, hopeless. It didn't have a whole lot of hope that it, anything was going to get better. It had just gone from bad to worse to worse to worse to worse. It says there that he's he's actually self mutilating. Uh, uh, these these demons are are have just taken over so much and just doing uh, because of all of that. I think we learn or we're reminded of a huge simple truth. We need to know this. It needs to be part of the DNA of who we are as followers of Jesus. We can take it to the bank every day. Uh, it's, 100, it's true 100% of the time. This man is living proof of this fact. There is no one who is beyond the reach of God's grace. I'm going to say it again because I'm not sure that we really grasp the significance. Um, and I could, I could tell that uh, somebody was going to say amen again there. But, um, uh, but you, you, you pause. So uh, anyway, I, there is no one. There, there is no one who is beyond the reach of God's grace. There is no one who is beyond the reach. I, I mean, if, if anyone uh, could have been beyond God's reach, it would probably be the guy with 6,000 demons, right? I mean, uh, Jesus distinctly went across the lake to a region that nobody went to, uh, specifically to extend his grace and to extend freedom to this unclean man living an unclean life in an unclean place. We need to know that no one is beyond the reach of God's grace because if you're like me, you've probably had thoughts at times that there are some lost causes out there, right? Some people are just beyond hope. Well, whether we say it or not, maybe we, we act like it. Uh, some, it just looks pretty bleak. For a lot, I mean, God could never forgive that guy, or how could, how could she have her life turned around uh, uh, after all she's done? 
Or there's no way that anybody, they're, they're not going to turn and, and, and follow God. But, but, but the truth that we have to operate with, that, that, that has to be uh, written across our souls, that we have as, as one of the foundational beliefs of our lives is that there is no one who is beyond the reach of God's grace and love and forgiveness. No one, not even that guy, not even her, <laughs> not even you. See, at times I think we disqualify ourselves from the grace of God. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how I've lived. You don't know the secrets that I have. I mean, I get all cleaned up and come to church or, or uh, uh, I put on a good show and, and uh, you don't know the struggles that I have. You don't know the rotten stuff. You don't know the, the aching in my soul. You don't, it, Pastor, it just seems hopeless. I mean, I try to change and I just, Jesus knows he sees below the surface. He, he, he loves you and he wants to set you free from, uh, from those unclean things that are holding you back from following him. If there's hope for a naked guy possessed by a legion of demons, then there's hope for you. Maybe you need to say that to yourself this morning. Uh, if there's hope for a naked guy possessed by a legion of demons, there's hope for me. Because there is no one who is beyond the reach of God's grace. Not him here in this and and not you. Well, with those things as a foundation, we need to move on. This is the story that blockbuster movies are made of. Jesus sends 6,000 demons out of this one man and into a herd of 2,000 pigs. If I do the math right, three demons per pig, no wonder they ran off a cliff, right? This is where I insert my joke that I, of, this is the first, you know, part in the Bible where they talk about deviled ham. And, and that's, I didn't put it in here and I still had to share it. I was going to not do that and I still had to. Dad jokes. Hashtag dad jokes. There we go. So you saw the picture. Some of you were concerned that, uh, you know, all that bacon going away. I don't know what it was that concerned you, but... Uh, it, it, the pigs go bonkers, they kill themselves, uh, much to the chagrin of the pig herders. Those, those herders run to town, they tell everybody what's going on, and the, the townspeople come out and, and, and check things out. And, and, and when they get there, it's, man, completely different. Some of them probably were afraid to even come because they'd been part of, of the people that, that, that got that guy out there in the first place and, and banished him to that, that uh, godforsaken region and, and chained him up and tried to keep him there. And, and now they came out and it's a complete and utter transformation. The guy that they knew that had been terrorizing the region uh, that, that they had chained up is now a picture of peace. Just sitting there. As the scripture says in verse 15 of, of, of Mark chapter 5, he was sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Sitting there, not running all around and, and, and harming himself and others and screaming and, and, uh, and going crazy. He's, he's sitting there. And he's, he's not naked, he's dressed. Praise the Lord, he's dressed. And, and he's in his right mind. He's not out of his it, Complete and utter transformation. And they were freaked out by him when, uh, when he was going crazy. Now they're freaked out by the fact that he's not. And they actually begged Jesus to leave. I would think maybe you'd say, wow, there's a lot of other messed up people back here in the town. Jesus, why don't you come in and help them too? But, but they were so freaked out by this complete and utter transformation, they begged Jesus to leave. So 
Again, uh, against what I might think would happen in this scripture, uh, Jesus left. Uh, too often, uh, there, there are people who, who shy away from the transformation that Jesus is ready to bring in their midst because it ju- it's just too scary. Uh, it, it would cause too many changes. It's not what I'm used to, so, so I pull back. I'm, I'm afraid of what Jesus is going to do and the change that he's going to bring. And, and, and so, so I pull back or, or I ask him to pull back. And Jesus doesn't force himself on anyone. So Jesus is getting back in the boat. He's, he's heading out and, and the transformed man comes up to him and begs him, uh, I want to go, want to go with you. And, and I mean, that sounds like a great thing. The, the, the natural next step would be, uh, for this man who has had his life changed, uh, literally given his life back. Uh, now he would follow the person who did it, right? You've, you've saved my life. I'm going to follow you the rest of my days. Where, where are we headed next? Let's go. Jesus says, no. I mean, this story just keeps getting stranger and stranger and stranger. Uh, so, so Jesus, who you would think would say, yes, come on, follow me. Let's go do this. He says, no, you're not coming with me. We wonder why, but quickly we see that, that, that Jesus said no to this man because he had a purpose for him, right? And, and I believe that, that Jesus' message to this man who has been transformed applies to all of us if you have been transformed by Jesus. He's, he simply said this, go home and tell how much the Lord has done for you, how he has had mercy on you. I mean, th- this guy immediately now, he's had an encounter with Jesus, a life-changing transformation, uh, uh, th- this encounter with Jesus, and, and now he has a calling on his life from Jesus himself. He's now a missionary commissioned by Jesus to go to this unclean, humanistic uh, region of these ten towns and, and simply tell your story of your encounter with Jesus. Tell about what Jesus has done for you. Jesus didn't make sure that he, he uh, uh, you know, went to, went to seminary and, and took all the classes and got all the theology right and, and all the things and, and, and all the words that start with shun uh, or end with shun like salvation and sanctification and, and uh, all, the, all the rest, uh, consecration. Uh, all the, he simply said, go home and tell what Jesus has done for you. He's got a calling on his life. Again, my imagination goes to this guy coming back home. Probably had a family at some point. We don't know how many years he'd been out in the tombs, but uh, probably, uh, you know, coming back, uh, coming back home. I, I guess my picture goes to an old Western. You know how the, uh, the, <laughs> The, the good guy comes in one side of town and the, and the bad guys come in the other side and all the people, phew, kind of scatter, right? And they dive behind the, and somebody always goes in the water trough and, uh, and you know, you're peeking out and you're kind of wondering what in the world's going on. And, and, uh, what in the world, and, and this guy's coming in, he's, he's been banished and he's supposed to stay out there and, and, and now he's, he's, he's come back and, and, and yet as he walks into town, there's no fight that ensues and he's not tearing things up and he, he, he's not hurting himself or anyone else. The wild look is gone from his eyes and, and he's walking, not running and he's talking, not screaming and he has clothes on. Again, praise the Lord. And, and one by one, the, the people pop up and come out of their hiding places and, and this guy starts telling his story and such a strange story how he'd been possessed 
by legions of demons. And this man, Jesus, had commanded them and, and, and they left and the pigs and the whole thing and, 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 uh, and, and now he's been transformed and there's such peace, such an obvious change. Scripture says there in, in Mark chapter five that they were amazed. Jesus called this man to go back home and simply tell how much God had done for him. And his call is your call. When you leave here today, when you click off the, uh, uh, the, the, the stream or the, the video online, uh, when you leave this gathering today, go home and tell someone what Jesus has done for you. You're commissioned, you're called. Uh, Jesus uh, told this man and in telling him, he tells us. If you've had an encounter with Jesus, if, uh, if Jesus has changed your life, I, I mean, uh, your story may just amaze the people who hear it and draw them to Jesus too. Of course, I mean, if you're going to tell your story, you've got to have a story to tell, right? Uh, the, 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 uh, the assumption there is, is, that, is that you need to have an encounter with Jesus First, you, you can't testify about something you haven't experienced yourself. Uh, so, so I have to ask you today, I think the Spirit asks each one of us today, has Jesus set you free from the sin that's enslaving you? I mean, it could be that you've tried all sorts of human rev- remedies, kind of like those townsfolk did. But the root of the problem is a spiritual one. So only a spiritual cure will do. Jesus wants to set us free from sin, to forgive us and cleanse us so we can sit at his feet in peace, not in turmoil, struggling and wrestling with the, uh, with the, 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 the sin in our lives. And so, so uh, as, as he does that and we encounter him and we come to him, then we can share our story of his transforming grace with others because no one is beyond the reach of God's grace and someone needs to hear that through your story no one is beyond the reach of God's grace we've already discussed that we've, we've you've agreed uh, you've even said amen even though I coerced you uh, no one is beyond the reach of God's grace and someone in your life needs to hear that through your story you are commissioned to go home and tell all that Jesus has done for you. It's a strange story. One of the stranger things in the Bible, but, but this story can literally be all of our story. We're, we're, we're tormented by sin and its effects. Human remedies don't solve the problem, but an encounter with Jesus sets us free and we can live the rest of our days testifying to his amazing grace. So for, for some here today, whether here or online, this, this could be your come to Jesus moment. Maybe you haven't really had that encounter with Jesus and, and that transformation. You're still trying a bunch of things. You know that things aren't necessarily where they need to be. And uh, maybe it doesn't feel like a legion of demons, but you're certainly not uh, at peace with God. Maybe the Spirit is speaking and moving in your life today and you're ready to to bow before him as this man did and allow him to get rid of those unclean things in your life, the, 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 the sin that entangles us, to allow him to forgive you and transform you and to bring you peace 
This, this could be your come to Jesus moment today. For, for others who have already experienced that transformation, uh, this could be a great reminder of the fact that you're really not telling anybody about it. That's, that's where it sits in, in my mind, uh, in, in my life. Am I really, in my day-to-day, uh, telling people what Jesus has done for me? Are you? Are we, are we really introducing people, telling this? It's, it's not all this big, uh, big presentation and four spiritual laws and theological this and, and all this stuff. It's what did Jesus do for you? And maybe it's the big story of how I used to be this and now I'm this. Or it may be, wow, last week I had this issue and I prayed about it and God came through and, and I'm going to testify. And, and over those things need to be at the, not on the back burner, but on the tip of our tongues. Wherever we get the chance, we can share what Jesus has done for us. Uh, t- today, uh, maybe, if, if that's you, today me may be the day that you hear your calling. Go home and tell how much the Lord has done for you. Father God, thank you for the stranger things in Scripture and for all that we can learn. Lord, I thank you that there is no one beyond the reach of your grace. No one that we know, but also no one that is within the sound of my voice. We can, we can receive your grace as you pursue us. Lord, I pray that you'll help us not to disqualify ourselves from your love and grace, but, but today could very well be the day that we turn things over to you and allow you to clean us up. And Lord, as we, as we go from this place in a little bit, we, uh, we also want to acknowledge that there are probably a lot of times that we're not speaking up and telling the story. Lord, I, I pray that, that we won't just live in the guilt of that or push that away, but that we'll recognize and know that we have a divine calling on our lives to tell our story. And Lord, I, I just pray that you would move and work, that we'll continually have encounters with you. And as you uh, transform us and change us and, and make us more like you, that that will be on the tip of our tongue and, and that, that you will challenge us today, that we can know that today we make the choice. I'm going to speak up for you whenever I get a chance. I'm going to tell my story, and I'm going to watch as people are amazed by Jesus whom I serve. Father God, we thank you for the amazing blessings that you pour out upon us. Not blessings to to, to just give us things that we need or things that we want, but the blessing of your grace and, and your blessing that goes with us as we tell your story. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.